time I attempt to try to get us on iTunes, I'm going to Skype you on my phone so that you can see the issue that I've been running into so that we can, we can get on iTunes like I've been promising the fans for like 100 years now. Okay. Well. Because for, for some reason, and now for you lovely listeners out there, if, if for whatever reasonable time that you know Tyson is running the show by himself and you don't hear from me it's because I probably found their location and kicked their asses and I'm, I'm probably like you know in hiding or something like that living off the land you know I, I made my cabin with and by the way by the way I can actually do that because I subscribed on YouTube to the Idaho Hillbillies and they taught me how to build a homestead for under a thousand dollars so if you want to live off the land, it's called Idaho Idaho Hillbillies, and they can teach you how to eat. They can teach you how to like grow your own shit. They can teach you how to like you know make a living by sharpening and making knives, and building a homestead for under a thousand dollars just by stuff that you scavenged. Grow your own shed. What? Yeah, growing your own shit. Your, your own wait. Your own growing in your own shit. Like using yeah, your own no, shit no, for no. fertilizer? Yeah, your own shit to survive, like food. Oh, okay. All right. That kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe, I don't know. I thought, like for a second, I thought Which, you were talking about Which, by the way, I was like, well. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to convince uh, Eric Mark of um, Combat Radio, or, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. of um, growing tomatoes. Sure, yeah. Everybody should grow tomatoes if they can stomach them. Well, yes, because if you think about it. You have ketchup from tomatoes. Yep. You have uh, any number of things from – well, actually – Tomato soup. Salads. Gra- you don't even have to grow tomatoes though. You can grow like cucumber – well, yeah, you can grow cucumbers. You can make those into pickles. Zucchini. You can grow squash. Yeah, I like zucchini. Zucchini. I used to feed that to my lizard. Oh, yeah? He didn't like it too much. Speaking of feeding zucchini to the lizard, uh, did you hear that uh, Jeff Goldblum is going to be in the Jurassic Park sequel? 
with Jurassic World too. Really? That's cool. What the, that's what the news is on the uh, on this on the Twitter. Speaking of which, he's a good actor, but he <laughs> is fucked up in the fucking fly, man. Oh, in the fly. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. He's like. He comes to like the like you know he's like this is when he was like a maggoty motherfucker you know he's like coming to the doorway and he's like yeah. I'm gonna be the first fly politician and uh, we don't have politics per se because we're all a bunch of like you know cold bastards and and he's like you know like kind of like shaking and however like you know maggots do and shit he's like I'm trying to say if you stay here I'm going to hurt you brutally. Uh, yes. Actually, got. There is actually. This is funny because my Stephanie, my mom, was giving me some shit. There's actually a store in Bordentown that's almost like. If, oh, by the way, everyone, if you're ever in Bordentown, New Jersey, please visit the Man Cave. Now, you're probably thinking if you're a woman, the Man Cave kind of sounds kind of chauvinistic, but it's. I promise you, it's not. The man cave is almost like uh, Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash. Like they don't, they sell like a variety of different things: uh, music, movies, memorabilia, all kinds of shit. So me and Stephanie were in there, and we're we're walking around, and I saw the fly action figure, dude. Brundlefly. Yes. Wow, that's. Want to see it? Yeah, you have. You, sure, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Let me get it. Yeah, you should you should post a picture of it later or something to say we've been talking about it, you know. Yes, yes, I will do that. Right. One second. That's a good idea, by the way. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So I will definitely post a picture in the anti-social uh, show Facebook page so everyone can see what I'm talking about. But here he is. Yeah, that's cool. Yes, and I simply had to have it. I bought him for seven dollars, ten dollars, something like that. But um, hey, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I had an idea, but I want you to finish what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. So anyway, this company though, they put out a lot of different, um, a lot of different things. Like for example, on the back, yeah. they have Edward Scissorhands, oh, uh, nice. Army of Darkness, okay. Escape, The Fly, oh. Shaft, The Thing, King Kong, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Is it um, Todd McFarlane stuff? Uh, the guy, it didn't. I think didn't Tom McFarlane, the creator of Spawn, make like action figure, really cool uh, action figures and stuff. Is this one? Yeah. Of, is this one of his, or is it like kind of like? Uh... Kind of like that, yeah. Okay, so some that's good that some other people are doing Mc, that. I think the company is McFarlane. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is, is, is it is the the one that makes that the fly one also McFarlane or is it is it uh, is it a no? You just said it was a different company. I'm sorry. McFarlane. Oh, it is a McFarlane. Okay, so yeah, yep. that's, yeah, that's that's uh, I, I, it's Todd McFarlane. It's not Seth McFarlane. I keep wanting to say Seth, but that's a Family Guy creator. <laughs> ah, gee, Lois. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that uh, oh, I was watching a recent. Speaking of like uh, collectibles, I was watching um, and I, I think I may probably be in the minority uh for this, but I was watching um. I was watching a recent episode of um, I think it was like last Sunday of uh, Comic Book Man. Okay. And this guy came in with like every single figure of Dick Tracy, like all the action figures, oh, wow. not even opened. And well, I remember as a kid, and I'm talking about the the my Dick Tracy. The movie had like you know um, um, who played Dick Tracy? What was that one actor's name? Warren Beatty. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. I, I actually saw this one in the theater, so I, I'll be of help if you ask about certain sort of actors, I. for the most part. I'll be able to go, oh, yeah, it's that person played that. Uh, yep. Uh, it was the one with um, Madonna as Breathless Mahoney. Yes, Madonna. Um, also, to um, the guy who played uh, Big Boy. Oh, uh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino, yes. Yes. So, oh. and unfortunately, he wanted to sell, like, and, and these were, like, mint condition. And he, But unfortunately, he didn't, you know, obviously the stash didn't buy them because there's apparently not a big market for it. It's still oh. a cult following, but... That's too bad. Because if you think about it, these these weren't comic books per like it wasn't a comic book movie per se but it was more like a comic strip movie you know like yeah. cause that's what it was it was a comic strip i uh the person who taught me improv was not a fan of uh, certain movies and he had a way of uh diminishing like when he'd say what do you th- what do you think of this film and he'd had if he didn't like it he had a, a funny way of putting it and with dick tracy uh Said I said, what did you, uh, what, you didn't like uh, Dick Tracy? And by this time, I would just start everything by saying, you didn't like, what, you didn't like, you know, expecting, well, of course, you know, you wouldn't like that. But he's like, so you didn't like Dick Tracy? He's like, it's, uh, it's fine if you like a box of crayons dressed up as a film. <laughs> that, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought, like, I recently watched it on online, on Google. Oh, cool. And... Yeah, like it was the first time I watched it as an adult because I saw it myself in the movie theaters with my dad. And to me, it was like – it was really awesome because like I haven't seen the movie in like quite some time, not as an adult anyway. And and the colors were vibrant. I mean the the whole thing had like a a comic book feel to it, seriously. And and I think to me, it's amazing. It was definitely interesting looking. Yeah, I like like films with a good visual style. Um, Absolutely. I mean I'm fine with stuff that doesn't. But I mean film is after all a visual medium. So. so what was your idea that you were going to run my way? Uh, do you have Periscope? Periscope. Yeah, it's the app where you um, you bring it up. and Okay, well, it's, it allows you to go – or Facebook Live or something, you know? Something, oh, I have Facebook Live. Except the thing with Periscope is it integrates with the Twitter. So anybody who follows you knows that you're going live. And if I retweeted that, at least you don't have Periscope. Though, or if you, maybe you would work with the Facebook. Anyway, I could get people to tune in. We could maybe get them to interact live and just record it and then it would end up on the recording later but it one of us would have to be engaged at the live camera and be like so so we're podcasting now and da 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 and this is going on that's and, a good idea and um meerkat 2012 says da 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 well that's not very nice or whatever you know and i think that would be good for the start of like the next recording of like maybe later in the week if we sure. get to record again yeah just something that lets uh Oh, and yeah. if you have a device that's got a lot of memory on it, you can the, – the, the videos from – I have an iPhone 7, my friend. The videos from Periscope stay around is what I was trying – I was trying to remember what it's called. So you, I will definitely, um, I will definitely uh, download that for the next time we record. There we go. Hello. Okay, I got you on my phone. Oh. I'm trying to yeah. <clears throat> I'm trying to end it though on Skype on the computer and try you again. Okay. Okay. Did you want me to to reconnect or do you, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Try ending it and then I'll call you back. All right. Gonna end it. Okay.
Oh, well, that worked a treat. There we go. Much better. Okay, so um, I had two pieces of news I wanted to share with the audience. Okay. The first piece of news, and I don't know how true it is because I obviously read it on social media, and social media is very highly questionable these days, but um, apparently there is a uh, medical company out there that is has perfected or is trying to perfect the tricorder, the first fully functional medical tricorder, like on Star Trek. Oh, the thing that scans your health and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was thinking of Tricarder. I was thinking of the communication device thing for some reason, which isn't that at all. That's because I'm like, we kind of have that already. It's called the Apple Watch. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the Apple Watch. But no, the Tricarder. Well, it's, it's is actually that, pretty funny. It's actually pretty funny because if you watch Star Trek, like 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 the the the, the, the a Tricarder is actually used for for many things. One of the things is like you know searching for people, uh-huh. um, uh, surveying a an alien uh, planet or yeah. you know landscape or whatever. And they also use it as a medical tricorder, or they do have medical tricorders. But now apparently they are trying to, and apparently this is a very inexpensive piece of equipment. Like it's it doesn't cost anything at all to to mass produce. But they're trying to perfect the medical tricorder so i thought that was uh worth mentioning and in in other news of course because we like to give our audience a piece of news um for all our audience or people listening out there tyson is from california and i've been to california so I've, i've certainly was uh was exposed to this but in california they have something called and if you're familiar with cosplaying i think I think that's where it originated from cosplaying. Not that I'm taking away from cosplayers, because obviously we Tyson and I know quite a few cosplayers who take it seriously, who, who provide for like you know charities and birthdays and things like that. So they're they're professional cosplayers where they put this into their <clears throat> they put time they put money into the, to these costumes and and certainly very co- uh, commendable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ethan Dettenmeyer, of course, our, one of our uh, associates where I started, where Tyson started, of course, I think, right? You started on combat radio, right? Um, kind of, sort of. Well, I mean, in the sense that it was first uh, large audience live radio platform, absolutely. I had a, uh, a short-lived podcast before that, but as far as getting out there on the airwaves, yes, I guess, and if that's what you're talking about, sure, you mean started in podcasting or just um, because just I, in general? Well, yeah. I mean, I've been doing improv since I was nineteen, so there was. I mean, it kind of started. I'm not sure what you mean by started. I'm sorry. I, it was meant to be probably a really simple question, but I want to make sure I answer it correctly. So, what was what is it specifically that you're asking? Like your breakthrough. My breakthrough. Because my breakthrough was on combat have radio. I, did I have a breakthrough ever? I, I'm not even sure what. Well, I think we, I mean, I think like I mean, like obviously, what I mean, like a breakthrough. I mean, like my breakthrough to to this world or this life, so to speak, would have been through you through combat radio. My first, I want to say, like on air, sort of speak, was when I did that Halloween thing. But anyway, my point though is, is that he he uses cosplayers in certain uh, charity events, and it's certain certainly commendable. Yeah. So this leads me back to my original my original thing was 
in California, if you go to like the the Hollywood Boulevard, um, they have street performers, and they're kind of like cosplayers, but not like in the sense where these people are putting like thousands of dollars into their cosplay costumes, or just people out there that just you know pose for pictures and things like that. So yeah. Easter, when I was I was home because I, I really wasn't. I was just got out of the hospital, so I was kind of like by myself recuperating where I should be. Um, I was watching social media and I saw a Superman who could be like a street performer basically and he was beating up on a homeless man and I'm like, well, that's fucked up. I mean, this guy was like dropping like a fucking like, you know, macho man Randy Savage elbow on this guy and at one point he punched the guy square in the face. So Fox 5 or an affiliate of Fox 5 went to look for this guy and they saw him taking a picture next to a woman in a wheelchair. So they're like, well, why did you beat this guy up? Like, why would you punch him in the face? Apparently, while he was street performing with a Batman, no less, um, apparently, according to the Superman, this this homeless man assaulted his friend, the Batman, with a street cone and he assaulted him. You're, you're fro- you froze. You're frozen. Let it go. Your feet is frozen. Your feet is frozen. So stay away from the street performer of Superman. Uh oh. Okay, so you just came back. You were, your your feet was frozen for about thirty seconds. Oh, was it? Yeah. So you heard the elbow elbow drop, and then you were saying something about the street performer, the Superman. Yes. Okay. Um, well, hopefully it will uh, turn up in there. What I was saying was basically was the reason why the street – like Fox 5, an affiliate of Fox 5, was trying to find this guy to interview him. Yeah. And he was taking a picture next to a woman in a wheelchair okay. because that's what these, these street performers do. They take pictures with you and shit. So they asked him like why would he assault a homeless man because he was like going all out. It was like a street fight. Like it was like no holds, bars, no disqualification, DDQ match. And he's like, well – because he assaulted my friend in the Batman costume with a street cone, and he tried to assault him sexually, so I beat him up oh. in self-defense. So Eek. anyone out there that's venturing to California, stay away from the, the Superman, you know, obviously, because if you piss him off, he's going to be <laughs> without a license. <sighs> okay. If you piss him off, he's going to what? Because it froze after that. If you piss him what off... What happened? They said, right? They said, if, if you piss them off, it's gonna, and then there's nothing in for like another ten seconds. Yeah, I think if like if you piss him off or you try to assault his friend sexually with a street cone, he's gonna kick your ass. I'd say that's a safe bet. A pylon. And I'm trying to figure out why Batman would need help anyway. Was well, Batman there too? Or is that what he's talking about? I was like, well, I mean, so the homeless guy tried to sexually assault Batman. Super, yes, he tried to Superman sexually. Uh, apparently, he tried to sexually assault Batman with a with a street car. Allegedly, and I don't know how you. I don't know how. Like I'm like 36, so I've been on this planet relatively like 36 years, and I've seen a lot of weird things in my life. But I I don't know how you would sexually assault somebody with a street cone. Is it like anal process? Maybe it's like oral process. Maybe it was like humping the street cone. You know. Kind of like implying something. I'm not sure, but I mean, Superman. Uh, this guy, this poor bastard. You know, uh, definitely invoked Superman's wrath, where he was like going, oh, 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 
oh, with the elbow. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, I may be dressed like Superman, yeah, but I'm going to drop the elbow on you, man. You macho man Randy Savage is going to get savage on you right now, yeah. What? I, I have to, like, somehow work, you know, uh, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage's voice in there somehow. Because if you think about it, if you watch Hollywood Babylon, you know, you have um, – what's his name? You have Kevin Smith and you have um, – who am I thinking of? Ralph Garman. Is that watchable now? Yes. Huh? Ralph Garman. Is that watchable now? Is, is it is, watchable? Yeah, is, oh, said, yes. Said yes when you watch Hollywood Babylon, is it, it's a, there's visual components to it now? Like, I mean, there's a... There's, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I only you can watch it on YouTube it. or you can listen to it on Stitcher. But, um, but like the whole show or just clips? He, um, Different clips, but... Okay, I see. He, he does work in like certain, you know, uh, impressions into oh, yeah. the show. Like he does like Schwarzenegger. He does uh, oh, yeah. Sylvester Stallone. He does, he does uh, uh, Donald Trump now, apparently. Al Pacino does a good... His Al Pacino is pretty funny. Oh, it is. Come on now. That's what he keeps doing. That's his Yeah. Um, I'm going to do this fucking show for you now. Ooh-ah. Arnold, uh, he does uh, oh, uh, Charlton Heston. Huh? He does Charlton Heston. Yes, uh, he does Charlton Heston. He does um, Adam West. Ed, oh, Adam, he does a great Adam West. I think his Edwin is probably one of my favorite ones, especially since it kind of like seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, like I remember listening to Hollywood Battle on uh, when he hadn't done the impression of Edwin yet, and then he did, and it's like let's make the character that voice, and I think I think that ended up being the Joker's voice uh, when they did the the read might have been. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't remember. He did some kind of a, they did some kind of Batman read with Adam with real Adam West as '60s Batman. By the way, they just released uh, like earlier this year, I think, uh, or, or late last year, a an animated uh, DC Batman cart uh, cartoon, an animated feature with Adam West and Burt Ward doing the reprising. The, it's basically it, it it's based on the Batman from the television show of the '60s. So it's an animated one with with and they're and Adam West and Burt Ward are back doing the voices of that, and and then they have like. Oh, nice. Well, all the all the most of the villains' voices are dead, so I think I think they got Julie Newmar back to do the do Catwoman. Which, I definitely would watch that. Yeah, it's somewhere. I mean, I saw it at Target. I don't know when it it came out. I think after the Killing Joke, because you know DC is just releasing lots of animated features. Yes, I've noticed that DC, um, when it comes to like their animated movies, like definitely the Killing Joke, which I have, which is phenomenal. Mm. Um, Batman versus Robin, oh. which uh, include um, the Court of Owls. It's, it's all like R-rated now. Oh yeah, one of them is R-rated. That's right. Oh, uh, the one uh, they they did the uh, the animated version of uh, and this was in two parts. The Dark Knight Returns, the original Frank Miller one um, that uh, eventually you know was referenced. Or they, they took not Tim, they took inspiration for the for Tim Burton's Batman, basically. From Frank Miller's um, *The Dark Knight Returns*, but it's been made into a, an animated version of that now. We saw that. Or uh, do you, it's the one where it's been like, where 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 Batman is like, um, you know, in his sixties or something, and he's ha- he hasn't been the Batman for like ten years, and and then and yes. Jason Todd is dead, and and then yeah, that's where Carrie Kelly comes from, the the girl, uh, the girl Robin, basically, the the one the, the first female Robin. I don't know if it, I'm, I'm sure there's got to be more than 
Like, there's probably been another female Robin since her, but she's the first one. That I believe. I think she's the first one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, when it comes to like, when it comes to Batman, mm. obviously, you know, like you and I are pretty much like there's not that much of an age difference, and you know, we you, you and I weren't born in the in the '60s, but no. Until the 90s and until uh, Tim Burton's Batman, we had we had like the, the, the 70s Batman animated cartoon, which you remember that, right? Yeah. Oh, and the Super Friends. Yes, yeah, Super Friends. We had Super okay. Friends. We had Justice League. And we had Adam West as Batman, basically the, the, the old Batman television series. So we, we didn't have too many... Like there wasn't like too many Batman shows to watch, so to speak. And then of course they came out with like the '90s animated Batman series. They came out with like Batman Beyond, which is basically old, you know, Batman Bruce Wayne getting old and his son taking over. Oh, yeah. um, Teen Titan they came out with, you know, uh, back then. So I mean, there's, there's the the new generation has like so many choices to to watch when we didn't. Obviously, Justice League. Obviously, I watched that when I was a kid. That was like totally badass. And I had like the Justice League uh, 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 toy set. So yeah. less entertainment back when we had nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had time to watch cartoons. But I still, obviously, when I watched uh, Tim Burton's Batman uh, with Michael Keaton in the movie theaters when I was a kid, I mean, obviously, that was like the first time since Adam West that we that we've I've been exposed to a different Batman. Now, and you're frozen. Since you were exposed to a Batman, is what you said, and then it froze. And he didn't have like the the high tech stuff that he has now, so right. I wasn't exposed to that as I am to like let's say Adam West and of course Michael Keaton and a slew of other people have played played Batman since then. Christian Bale. Yes. yes. Which he's an all right Batman like Dark Knight was obviously a uh, the Dark Knight trilogy was a was a good series because uh aside if you didn't like uh Christian Bell's Batman like you can see what happened to him you know in between like you know his parents dying and him coming back to being you know ultimately Batman like you can see like the training that he's gotten with the League of Shadows hmm. so did you did you never read the Dark Knight Returns or see any version of it um, I've never read anything on it, but I, I have the movie trilogy. I bought it for Stephanie for her birthday one year. The, no, I mean the Dark Knight Returns, the graphic novel that Frank Miller wrote. The oh no no, I, I definitely did not read it, but I want to. Oh, you should. Okay, so I, I was wondering why uh, I, I kept when I was talking about it, I kept expecting you to kind of like nod in recognition. Then it occurred to me, I'm like, oh, he might not have read it, but that's fine because not everybody has. But totally, if you haven't read it, it then it's perfect. It's a good time for you, read because then you can totally see where all this other stuff that you like about Batman kind of came from. Because a lot of it was inspired by this, this, um, this graphic novel, this The Dark Knight Returns, um, and it was adapt like I said, that's the one that was adapted into uh, an animated feature. Because people were taking stuff from it for live action movies. In fact, they were probably they were going to adapt it for a live action film. They never ended up doing that, but they did end up ad- adapting it for. For animation, it looks great, and it's it's pretty much exactly the same. I, I can't, I don't even know if there's any differences in it at all. Um, nice. Anyway, so you know what I find? Hmm. Like if you go to like, there's not too many comic book shops anymore. Like not like there used to be. Like when I was a kid, there was like a shit ton of comic book stores. Now there's like so few and far between. I think like the only thing that kept the stash going all these years was the fact that it's it's 
in relation to Kevin Smith. That helps. And those guys are like awesome guys. You walk in there, you know, they're they're, they're cool. They'll talk to you, take some pictures and shit like that. But where I normally buy grass, uh, graphic novels is like let's say Barnes and Nobles, and there's tons, 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 tons of like. Uh, graphic novels and and, and it, it seems like it's overwhelming at times to try to read everything and and recently what I picked up with and I, I had to pick this up this was like a must pick up like obviously I'm not trying to, to uh, trying to like waste money or whatever burn money because I'm trying to save money these days but um, there was one copy of it left and it, it had to be mine and since I have a Barnes and Noble discount it, it would make sense but Batman versus Alien like the Xenomorphs. Oh wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah, that just sounds. It just it, it's like fucking phenomenal. It's fucking because Alien Covenant. They're with the aliens. They're they're definitely uh, making more towards that trilogy. Like they're they're trying to keep it going. Like don't forget, there's only like three Predator movies. Like if you cut out like let's say. The Alien versus Predator and the Alien versus Predator Part Two. You cut those, like, or yeah, yeah you cut those out. Yeah. There's only three Predator movies where there's like a shit ton of Alien movies. You got like Aliens. You got uh, you got Alien, Aliens, Alien Three, Alien Four. You got um, Prometheus. You got the uh, you got uh, Prometheus, which That's was fine. like the beginning of it. Yeah. And now you have you have Alien Covenant. So they never did like a Prometheus Two, but it it. It ties in with Prometheus, and Prometheus does actually tie in with um, with the Alien movies because so. the 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 engineers are the ones that they do mention in the original four comic books of the Alien uh, franchise. Because don't forget, it was a movie. A lot of times, like you'll you'll see like a movie or whatever, and it it does uh, resonate from a book. Like a lot of like Stephen King movies, they came from books. Yeah. Are you telling yes, me this? I was. Are you, are you saying that the uh, the engineers were hinted at or mentioned in the Dark Horse comic series before it, it ever became a thing on film? Yes. Wow, that's interesting. So basically, like, okay, so to give like a brief synopsis here, real quick. Mm. Normally, like I said, you you have um, the the book before you ever have the movie, and a lot of a lot of times, and they do change. They do change the movie. Uh, they do change it from the book. They they make a couple like tweaks here and there. So, in this particular case, it was definitely a movie before it was a graphic novel, before it was comic books. And if you remember, in the first movie, they saw the alien spaceship, and they saw that that big alien that was like grafted into the chair, and like something broke out of his chest and everything like that. Yeah, those were the, and you didn't really know who they were. You just thought it was like some alien. Well, it turns out that those aliens were the our creators. Those were, those were the engineers, and it's it's actually in the first four of novels or the first four of the comic books. Okay, yeah, because they made they made that apparent in the um, in Prometheus, but I didn't know that they had hinted at that much earlier, and that so that stuff that ended up in Prometheus was kind of based on something er- something before. I mean, I knew that the 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 image of the the busted out, the guy in the chair was was well, was concept art from H.R. Giger and ended up in the original Alien film. I didn't know that they had ex. I didn't know that they had explained what the guy was in the, what the guy in the chair was before 
Prometheus was a film. I didn't know that that had been well. Seen. They didn't. They they for that particular instance because, <laughs> um, that particular instance they didn't explain it in the original four. I don't think they explained it in the original four comic books. Oh, okay. But but they, they did. didn't explain it in the in the the original movie except for this guy just being in the chair dead. But they this alien being dead. I'm sorry, you weren't saying. You're right. You were saying that they uh, that they. Uh, that they incorporated the engineers. They not necessarily that they had. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I think I, I overlapped a couple of different things you were talking about and put it in the wrong place. So yeah, I get it. I get you now. Go ahead. Sorry. So they, they do actually explain it though, but the, the, the point though is with the comic books and that's why I kind of like read like the, the actual novels. I collect the comic book, uh, the comics, but I, I read the actual novels because the, the comics are kind of like, all over the place, you know. It's, it's it's not really like as clean, neat, and explainable as it is in the movies. And the movies actually did come out first. And Ridley Scott wasn't the first director of Alien. No, no, he wasn't. Nope. Hmm. Who was the first director? John Huston. Uh, st- nope. <laughs> no. Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. I think, uh, I think that's the name. Steve Bannon, yes. the Breitbart guy. The guy that that did. Um, uh, Return of the Living Dead. Oh, Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon, yes. Yeah, Steve Bannon is the guy that is the white nationalist dude who who is, uh, or at least everybody says he is, who uh, who was uh, Trump's <laughs> the security, the Trump's uh, Trump's national security advisor guy until he just yes. got, yeah, that's okay. that's Steve Bannon. So, <laughs> Dan, Dan Bannon, not to be confused with the white racist. Right? Dan, Dan O'Bannon, um, yeah, 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 there you go. So, but anyway, so they got Dan Bannon. They got they got good old Danny Boy there to to do the original Alien, but they're apparently they didn't like his script or something like that. So they got Ridley Scott to come in to to basically redo the whole thing over. And I think in a lot of cases that's what made it work. Like for example, when they brought Dan uh, Dan O'Bannon on um, uh, Night of the Living Dead, and he decided to make it a horror comedy. That's what made that movie. Yeah, like, Return of the Living Dead. Because he decided to take the script and completely redo it. Okay, you mean Return of the Living Dead, though, right? Not, 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 not Night of the Living Dead. Or was was Dan O'Bannon involved with the original Night of the Living Dead, the George Romero with it? No, no, no. Okay. Well, you had for the original Night of the Living Dead, you had uh, uh, George Romero and you had Steve Russo. Yeah, and John Russo. John Russo, and. John Russo is the one they who did basically it. after the first movie after that first movie they went their separate ways. Yeah. So basically for for um John Russo Return of the Living Dead would be like his sequel to Night of the Living Dead, but right. he wrote the script as a horror movie and they brought in Dan O'Bannon to uh, recreate it or redo it and he turned it into a horror comedy. Nifty. Which made it work. Oh yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good movie. It's also got the um it adds the, I guess, the wrinkle of, um, oh, okay, I've frozen up. Frozen, frozen. I'm frozen, frozen. Just supposing I'm frozen. Hello? Okay, I can hear you better now because it turned off the video. Okay, I can hear you, but I can't see you. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn off my video as well. Okay, so, um, blah, 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 blah. Something about Dan O'Bannon. Something about... Mm. What was I talking about? Well, yeah, he basically recreated. He, he took the script, right? Mm-hmm. Which 
The Return of the Living Dead was supposed to be a serious horror film, right? Oh, I heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey. He took that and he made it a horror comedy. And I think that's what made it basically work was uh, because he did that. So certain things had to have happened the way they did to make certain things work. Like, for example, right. Alien, they got rid of, you know, Dan O'Bannon to, to, to basically bring in Ridley Scott. He made that work. They took John uh, John Russo's script, which was a serious horror film. They turned it into a horror comedy. So uh-huh. certain things like transpired. To, it just made it work. Like it just works. You know, like I don't yeah. think Return of the Living Dead would have its charm if it wasn't a horror comedy. Like you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it helps. I mean, also by the way, this the, the, it's, it's, it provides. I, I remember now. What I was going to say it's the what causes the zombies or what causes is 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 different in the Return of the Living Dead series than in the Night of the Living Dead series. So mm-hmm. there are different types of zombies. They're not they're they're like Well you know what's actually pretty which actually is pretty funny about this? What? Well if you take like um George Romero's zombies, right? Mm-hmm. Please. They don't talk. They don't like move fast. You shoot them in the head, they're dead, right? Yeah, beat them or burn them, they don't they they go down pretty quickly. Are they Yeah. That's what they say in Night of the Living Dead. In Return of the Living Dead. Uh oh. <laughs> yes. But in Return of the Living Dead, the zombies can like walk fast, run, they talked, they they had some display of intelligence, and shooting him in the head didn't work until you, you got to part two and you found out you had to electrocute them, right? Oh, I see I haven't seen part two. I know that Doug Benson is an extra in that movie though. Yeah, so basically in part two, you had to basically – you found a way like if you electrocute them, they're just – they're basically dead. In then in part three, it was like pretty much the same thing. You, 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 you electrocute them, they're dead. Now you're getting to like part four and part five. Mm-hmm. And what made that series work like you know their own thing, it's basically now let's forget the electrocution. Let's shoot them in the head and they're dead. So they kind of sold themselves out a little bit. Oh, well, also they're created by uh, some kind of some kind of government chemical, aren't they? Yes, two four five trioxin. Right. Whereas in Night of the Living Dead, it was uh, what a, the radiation from a satellite entering the Earth or something was causing the recently dead to rise from the grave or something. Well, yeah, and, and well, basically in uh, Night of the Living Dead, it was it was basically a meteor, and it was basically uh, the was. radiation that was making them, you know, return to life, eat people, and shit like that. Right. Um, in Return of the Living Dead, which was John Russo's uh, sequel to Night of the Living Dead, right? And they do men- they do make a mention of it. In yeah. yes. his version, basically, the result is it wasn't a comet, it wasn't a, uh, a meteor, it was this this trioxin chemical and basically the people that created it basically told the guy and they don't mention george romero but he's they're like well they told the guy that if you know he tells the truth they'll just sue his ass off so he changed the facts and he said it was a comet it wasn't you know our meteor it wasn't this chemical well it was this chemical so you know oh, yeah 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 was it clue gulliger that talks about that huh was it was it clue gulliger who talks about that um, well, well, basically, it was the, the the two main characters in uh, Return of the Living Dead because they were in uh, right. this medical supply warehouse. Or was it James Karen that was explaining it to Thumb, uh, Thumb, uh, Tom, Tom, the the kid? He was yes. explaining it to the kid. It was the older guy explaining it to the kid. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's James Karen. Yeah, so he's the one who explained the. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Then, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a good film. Um, 
It's a good, it's a good documentary about um, it, the making of it. If you don't have them on uh, on on home media, anyway. Which I do. The 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 making of featurettes and stuff. Um, I got the movie, but I don't think I got. I don't. I don't. Um, no, not that particular DVD I have. It doesn't have the the making of it. Okay, it's but fine because it's available. You can. It does have commentary, which explains oh. everything. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yes. Yeah. You know, Night of Living. Dead, of course, it's funny that we keep bringing up Night of the Living Dead because it's it's the uh, the theme music for it is our theme music basically. It's been remixed. Ah, yes, it is. Yeah, it's the opening music for Night of the Living Dead plus a little bit of um, Johnny. Uh, I think his name is Johnny, the guy with the driving gloves. Yeah, who? They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, yes. Which that guy, by the way, is John Russo. That was John Russo. Yep. See, right over there. That's where he was buried. I don't know. I can't remember what he said, but he, he something in the. Actually, um. That's that's cool. The the remake of um, the remake of Night of the Living Dead. The first one, the Tom the Tom Savini remake. Yes, the Tom Savini uh, remake, which involved uh, uh, George Romero and uh, John Russo, mm-hmm. um, they they changed they they basically changed it basically where the the brother says instead of saying you know they're coming to get you Barbara they're coming for you Barbara mm-hmm. yeah. this time it's like Barbara the horny Barbara they've been dead a long time uh, oh yeah it was, wasn't that Bill Mosley who played the, the brother yes that was yeah good old Bill Mosley he shows up and, and he, gosh he was in Army of Darkness but you don't really recognize him in it he was in um, yes he showed up in Armies of Darkness and he showed up in um, Devil's Rejects and was of he? course uh, House of a Thousand Corpses oh see I've not seen those those, those are Rob Zombie movies right yes yeah. Um, I think the thing I probably saw Bill Mosley in first was uh, there was this uh, movie called Crash and Burn. Um, I didn't see that one. It's a giant robot film, kind of apocalyptic. It was sort of it was kind of made by the people who made um, Robot Jocks. I don't know if you remember that. See, this is the thing: is I don't know if it's an Empire film or a Full Moon film. It's some. It's but it's basically the, the people. Like you know what I'm talking about, right? Empire Films and yeah. Moon Futures. Okay, so it's it's one of those companies. I think it might have actually been. See, because the first Puppet Master film was a Full Moon film, and I, I think Crash and Burn might. Have, anyway, so it, it also has Megan Ward in it, and it was notable to me because the main character, uh, the lead, the hero of the film, his character's name is Tyson, and that never happens. <laughs> it's the only one. <laughs> there's another Tyson, and there's a character named Tyson in Scream. But we're talking about first name, and it's, it was his name. And so, uh, like, uh, it's like so, and it's like, you know, look out or whatever, or where are you? It's you're here, Tyson, Tyson. And it's like, hey, that's cool, that's fine, and it's spelled the right way too, or it's spelled my way anyway. So anyway, Bill Mosley's. In- <clears throat> I don't, I don't know too many, uh, too many dudes named Tyson. Lee. You're the only one that I know. Yeah, Ellen Jack McGee's in that one too. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good one. You get a chance. It's uh, well, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's fine. It's it's a it's a science fiction low budget film with some good makeup and some. Yeah, cool special. Effects. Hey, I love I love science fiction films. I you know check out everything. I like a good low budget science fiction film if it's done. Oh, well. absolutely! Because like, you know, like I, I follow like I, I tend to follow uh, George Romero's logic on this, and, and believe it or not, George Romero is is an, an indie's film director. 
he says that when you have like a low budget, you're 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 forced to be like more creative. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, I think Roger Moore, or Roger Corman would probably agree with that. So that's that's why I like particularly like low budget films because it it, it forces them to be more creative than if they had like a like a big budget you know what i mean like obviously if you have like a big budget you can do just about anything but when you have a low budget you're forced to be more creative with stuff sure sure um yeah i also another podcast episode i recommend is gilbert godfried's amazing classical classical podcast where he interviews roger corman filmmaker Hmm. low budget filmmaker extraordinaire roger corman uh, it's a pretty interesting story because he talks about how uh, how, how certain things got done and and uh, just how he just kept making movies and you know because he he has a, great, a lot of output. Roger Corman does, yeah, if you recall. Have you seen many Roger Corman films or, or Roger Corman uh, peripheral films? Not too many. You know, like Attack of the Giant Leeches. A lot of stuff ends up on Mystery Science Theater, Night of the Blood Beast, um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, the original black and white film. Uh, that was a good one, actually. Yeah. I I enjoyed like the. That was a good one. I enjoyed like the original, and I enjoyed the remake. Um, the Terror with Boris Karloff, Jack Nicholson. Uh, yes. The Raven, which was also Boris Karloff, Jack Nicholson, and Peter Lorre and Vincent Price, is in it. That was a that was a great one. The Raven is also, I think, rated G. So it's kind of it's a scary. Now is that uh, the Raven? That that's basically a. Um, the adaptation of of um I mean, of uh, oh, right uh, sort of I mean it's I, I think it's it might have been I mean it's not it's certainly not a literal interpretation but I, I suppose there might have been a character named Lenore in it I'm not sure um, it's been a while since I've seen it so I want to say yes it is but I can't be a hundred percent on that and you know if I if I get something wrong I try to put in the wrong thing you know and I just uh, I don't want to commit on that. I, I I think it was supposed to be, but I it's not like it's not literally about what's happening in the uh, what's happening in the like the, the the poem is about a guy going crazy by himself and talking to himself. You know, that's that's you know what I mean. And it's a, yeah, yeah. And there's a he's in mourning, and there's this bird that's like really freaking really messing with him in, in, in his head, and he's you know it's a projection of his grief and whatnot and all this stuff. And it's a real bird, probably, but he thinks it's talking. Anyway, but that's not what the movie's yeah, about. Because the guy's fucking, in, the guy's going insane. He's going crazy from you know mourning for his his lost, lost love. You know, it's, yeah. it's lost Lenora. But it's not, yeah, yes. exactly. So well, you know, by the way, speaking of like the movie, speaking has a of Poe, sorry. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Poe, yeah. Is that I have uh, I have a book on my shelf here that contains every single story, play or whatever that he's ever written, and and to to try to read some of that stuff is it it makes your head hurt. <clears throat> it makes your head hurt a little bit. Yeah, I can. Some of the language is well. That yeah, it's getting used to um, a whole new, well, maybe not new, but a, a different vocabulary set sometimes. Yes. Like um, oh, you know, Nathaniel Hawthorne used to really. Boil my noodle. Um, I had to read the Scarlet Letter in high school, and it's like, oh god, there's so many new words that I, you know, like ignominious and chiaroscuro, and it's like yeah, that's two. So there's two new words. No, there's a bunch of them. Like you know, it gets because you know when, when you do assigned reading in school, you've got to do the whole vocabulary word exercise, and I had trouble uh, uh, 
absorbing uh, that. At, at, I mean, I can do that now, but it was there's a lot going on in high school. Anyway. Now, see, I read the Scarlet, uh, Scarlet letter, uh, letter in high school. Uh, yeah, yeah. What did you, you think of it? <laughs> Um, I haven't read it in like since high school. I haven't, I haven't uh, revisited. But uh, from what I remember, it was it was a uh, it was a book that was definitely outside my comfort zone, and it mm. was it was it was pretty fascinating. I I, I liked it. I mean, uh, what um, of Edgar Allan Poe? Have you read uh, Have you read many of his of the stories in there, or do you do you have any favorites or, that you remember? Well, aside from uh, from the Raven, uh, right, yeah, that's a good one. There was a well. That was that would be like my particular favorite. But um, there was a few I read in there. I mean, I haven't read the whole book yet. I could recommend one uh, that I know I've definitely read at least once that I remember as being a pretty, uh, pretty good story. Uh, did you ever read the Telltale Heart? Yes, I did. That one's pretty good. That's that cool. was. Oh, that also, was also the Cask of Edmontiato. Was pretty good. Actually, I. I Funny story about that. I, I read that particular one to, to Stephanie one night. She uh, wanted me to uh, read to her, and uh, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, like the the language was a little bit hard to to you know get through, but I made it. I'm definitely going to have to go back and revisit revisit some Poe with uh, with um, so many years of uh, actual life experience in my brain now to see if it, it's uh, if it, it's easier to understand some of the stuff. Probably get on ebooks. Um, I forget how much I paid for that one, but um, that's why I like to go to like used bookstores and things like that because you, you can find like awesome deals, you know. Oh yeah, we've got a, a really uh, at least one really good. I mean, there's more, but there's at least one really good uh, used bookstore in Arcata. It's called Tin Can Mailman. It's where I used to get all my books when I was uh, younger, and uh, I still get some of them. It's where I found the Temple Grandin. Um, uh, autobiography or whatever it is, the thinking in pictures that she wrote. Still haven't gotten around to reading that yet, but I I uh, have it ready to go whenever I get a chance. I might have more time to read now that I uh, have finished that Bee Gees song. Uh, more or less finished it. <clears throat> and I think he should share that on uh, this show. What do you think, everybody? I <laughs> uh, you know maybe I'll put the thirty second preview up here somewhere and then and then they can hear. It. Oh, and if you want to hear uh, more than thirty seconds of it, uh, a little tease of it. Uh, this most recent nooner from uh, April twenty fifth of twenty seventeen has uh, it might ha- might actually include this in the end of the show. They might switch to something, but where they normally put the end music, which is called "Pimp That Fuck," they played uh, like the first minute of the BG's cover. So I appreciate that a great deal. Yeah, Nooner is uh, one of, you know from Kevin Smith's network. Ah, okay. Do you, do you never listen to Nooner? Do I listen to what? Do you have you? Do you never listen to Nooner? Yeah. Yeah, occasionally. It's the one that uh, occasionally I, I, I contribute to that one uh, in some way. I I, I uh, put stuff on the Tumblr. Uh, there's a guy named Darren Husted from uh, Britain that also puts stuff up on the Tumblr. We kind of do the Tumblr together. He invited me. Uh, it was very nice of him. Uh, to do that, to uh, do the Tumblr with him, and so we've just sort of been doing that. Uh, Nooner's been on for like five years now or something. I attempted Tumblr for a short while, and then I just gave up the con- I just gave up the whole thing. I, well, I mean, uh, what was it? What was um, what was wrong with what was wrong with it? I just put, I just use it for not that there was anything wrong with it. I mean, right now I got like you know uh, 
I operate on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, so it's it's you know. Hmm. Yeah, I I mean I just use it for uh, it's where my aside from see the, the the show Nooner has its own Tumblr and I put links up to whatever they're talking about and so does Darren, but my personal Tumblr uh, mostly links mm-hmm. um, it, it, from my Instagram. So like pretty much anything from my Instagram feed is also on Tumblr. And I think when I post songs to, uh, no, actually, so when I post songs to SoundCloud, they used to go on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr, and I think they only go on Facebook and Twitter now. So I'm going to have to start Mm. publishing them to Tumblr uh, deliberately if I want to get any uh, exposure for them. Uh, Anyway. Well, that about does it for this episode, everybody. I'm Hunter Block. I'm Hunter Block. And you're Tyson Saner. Oh, wait. And you're Tyson Saner. And and together we are the three amigos. No wait, um, that didn't work at all. Okay, but uh, yeah. So so I'll do what you did again, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll play I'll play nice. I'll see if okay. I can figure out what we're supposed to do. Okay, okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, everyone, that does it for uh, this episode of the Anti-Social Show this week. Until next time, I'm Tyson Saner, and I'm Hunter Block. Be decent to each other. Absolutely. Have a good time, folks. Dun, dun, dun.